we want to continue this progression. Man, I've been looking so forward to today. All week, uh, I got to go and experience a little bit of youth camp this week with our youth. Man, they just rocked it in Dallas. It was amazing the Thursday night that we were able to go there. But all week, this has just been stirring in my heart. And if you would, take the notebooks, pass them down, take out your note cards. We're going to give you a little bit of a report back on uh, how camp went this week at the conclusion of our, our service. But we're finding Jesus in every book of the Bible. It just so intrigued me one day when I read... Jesus said, the scriptures speak of me. And that's in John 5, and like, you know, John hadn't been written yet. They were writing what he was saying as he was saying it. So all these Old Testament books speak of Jesus. Like, Jesus is everything. Jesus is the center of the universe. Jesus is the center of the purpose of God. Jesus is the center of history. We are in the year that we are in, that is how many years after Jesus came. Like the single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He is worthy to be praised. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's risen from the dead. He was dead, but now he is alive. Because he is alive, we are alive. Come on, he is worthy of all of our praise, of all of our hearts. And there's something, too, when we start gathering together, and we're going to look in the book of Habakkuk, um, interesting book, just this, again, a short book in these minor prophets and how Jesus is revealed in each book in Old Testament Scripture. We're going all the way through. But as we dig into Scripture, I just want you to know, somewhere along the journey, I relinquished, if you can just track me on this, I relinquished my chief desire to try and impress people with great sermons. How many of you know there are just a lot of amazing sound bites out there? And I mean, we can look up the most fantastic series ideas and message ideas, and, and, and if we're not careful, we start measuring our accomplishment by successfully impressing people with dazzling insights. Somewhere I just personally, pastorally realized, I'm going to answer to the Lord, not with how impressive my speaking was, but how well we made disciples. And we are on a mission in this place to understand the call of God is for us to be disciples who make disciples that the kingdom of God would expand in the earth. So what we want to do is create an atmosphere that really grows giant killers in this place. And so God's Word, you have to understand the seed is always unlocked by the environment in which it's in. If you put the seed in the wrong environment, it doesn't get unlocked, right? If the seed falls into the dirt, nutrients exist in that dirt, then that seed will die and produce something of life. But the environment always unlocks the seed. That's why our worship is not coming in and seeing if we jive with the music. But rather, we come in and declare the atmosphere of our lives is going to unlock something of the purposes of God. I don't know about anybody else in the room, but whenever we start to worship, I'm going to make a bold declaration that I came to make a sound from heaven and the earth, and the kingdom of God is advancing as a result. And when we start talking about the Word of God, let me just say the Word of God does deserve our response and our willingness to say yes and amen to His Word actually produces an environment that unlocks His Word. Can I get a witness? And so I want to encourage you in that. As different people are ministering to us, we want to create an environment in our own hearts and our own lives that really receive. I'm going to say some things today that I think will resonate, particularly with the hour that we are living in in this nation. And as I say something and you, it resonates with you, I want you to foster that environment. The Bible says the promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. So foster that environment and receive that over your life. Because in Habakkuk, Jesus is revealed 
as the one, and if you just understand, particularly the environment of the nation and the nations of the world right now, Jesus is revealed in the book of Habakkuk as the one who embraces us and clings to us through confusion and disappointment that the world tends to bring. This is a really good study for us. More online on the blog, go deeper, study it out further, look more history, context of what's going on, why we've been seeing where Israel is in the history of all this. I'm not going to go into all those things with you today, but I, I do want to point out just a few very unique things about the book of Habakkuk, this particular prophet. This is the only prophet that you read in Scripture that was not making a declaration to the people. He was having a conversation with God. The entire book is his exchange with God. There are no other prophets in Scripture that we read like that. So it's very unique. And, and his, his whole issue as he's coming to God, in fact, he describes it pretty clearly right at the very beginning, and we'll look at this in progression, Habakkuk 1, 2 to 3. It's almost as if he was watching the world news this week. He said, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Just real quick, how many of you here feel like at times you're calling for help, but God may not be listening? Can I just see? Raise your hand real high. Okay, we just get honest here. It's okay to be honest. The Bible shows these points of honesty, these places that mighty men and women of God dealing with the same stuff you and I deal with. It's okay. Recognize it and grow. Don't just go through it. Grow through it. Make the choice to. He said, how long must I call for help, but you don't listen? I cry out to you, violence, but you did not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? So he's looking at violence and injustice of his day. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. I mean, this is really bizarre. I, I, I'm going I'm to sidebar with you, Your Honor, if I could sidebar just for a moment. Uh, here's, here's the scenario that you need to understand and recognize, and, and it's kind of aligning to this, but, but more so just we as Christians need to be equipped and mature. Everybody say equipped and mature. Okay, you need to understand because the stuff that Habakkuk's seeing, and we'll get back to that in a moment, but the stuff he's seeing is very much what's going on in our day. If you're watching the news, if you're aware of what's going on in Turkey, in France, what's been going on across our nation, there's all these things he's defining, all, all of this stuff, violence, injustice, wrongdoing, destruction, strife, and conflict, they abound. Do you agree? They abound right now. There's all this tension and discord. And, and listen, because what's happening, the, you do realize there's a battle going on. And the enemy launches attacks against our nation by stirring up strife and discord. And the church, our response should be to respond to that and declare, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We won't give in to strife and discord and, and all those things, Right? Amen. We, we agree. We're, we're like a force of God in the earth when we're surrendered to Christ. By His Spirit, we're empowered to conquer this stuff and battle this stuff. But this is what I'm finding. Like, this is a blanket of strife and contention that's happening over the nation. And we as a church are, in, are involved with very intimately, personally, with a lot of pastors now. We're engaged. We help oversee many different churches and ministries, and, and we're always having conversations with these pastors. And listen very carefully. There is a huge blanket of discord that seems to have rested on the church in this moment. And I'm standing here 
totally unaware of that with our church family, but I just want to address it from, you know, I don't know that there's anything like that going on here, thank God, but I just want to address it and say, guys, there's a spirit that tries to come upon us when the enemy sends this shot into the earth. Do you try, are you following me on this? Like, we've got to rise up above the ways of the world, and when the world starts trying to embrace ideas of discord and dissension... What, what you may not realize is it's an intercessory thing. Like, I'm talking some big terms today. It's like an intercessory thing. Like, it starts trying to cause you to feel disgruntled at every direction and every turn. You don't even realize it. When, when I go home sometimes, my wife looks at me like, I'll get real cranky and fussy at her. Any, any wives have a husband that can get cranky and fussy? Can I just get a witness in this house? And so I get, you know, cranky and fussy sometimes. And and, uh, and recently, Faith and Lexi, actually, I heard them say, what's wrong with dad? And Tracy said, I think he's hangry, <laughs> hungry and angry, married. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes I get that way. I mean, I'm not always this happy preacher. Woo, you know, Jesus is alive. Sometimes I'm like, leave me alone, you know. And so you've got to understand, Tracy will observe those moments sometimes, and I'll come home with a certain attitude. We'll start struggling in our own marriage in a certain area, and she'll ask me, are you counseling somebody right now that's struggling with boom, boom, boom? And I'll just be like, how do you know? You, you do understand the book of Galatians says that when somebody's caught up in a sin, we who are spiritual go restore that person. But be careful because their issue, their sin will try and get on you. You understand? Like you're being touched by, that's what an intercessor is. Jesus was, aren't you glad Jesus died for your sin? Okay, understand, he was touched by your stuff. He carried the burden of your sin. He bore stripes on his back so we could be healed. He carried that burden for us. And what we must do is understand, we have not only been set free, liberated, and, and, and part of his kingdom now, but now we are called to follow the ways of Christ. And guys, we carry burdens too. So when the stuff's going on in the nation, be careful. Be, uh, right now, all kinds of stuff going on politically. Be careful. Both parties are reporting. They're very unhappy with their candidates overall. Be careful. Don't get into all the strife and stuff that's going on. You've got to just understand, God's called us to a bigger picture than just the nonsense of the world. Jesus is Lord. He can straighten this mess out. You've got to believe this now. And so when somebody comes and they start saying something, I think so-and-so didn't do this, and the strife and discord. I mean, two pastors we're working with right now, they are formulating a plan to recruit forces to try and kick them out of their church. I mean, it's just like, come on, guys. We're fighting over this stuff, and people are dying and going to hell. Let's wake up. Let's wake up and address the things that really need to be addressed. This is what Habakkuk is saying, Lord, help us. All this stuff is going on. Help us. He was perplexed that things could be so bad in his particular generation, in his particular day. He was perplexed that things could be so bad and God could seem so absent. Anybody ever been there? We have to remind ourselves, this will be your first blank if we write it in. Even when it seems like no help is coming from heaven, folks, God is at work. God is mightily at work always. I, I know there are times it's like, 
Lord, where are you? Like Habakkuk's cry, God, where are you? But God was doing something amazing in his day, and he just couldn't see it. It's, it's almost like, if you just think about this, it's almost like God's not just trying to get us to get our way all the time, but rather he's trying to do something within us while we're walking on this path that we're on. I mean, I mean like if you just give your children everything they want every time they want it, then your kids aren't allowed to play with my kids. That's kind of the way we decided growing up. Like, we meet families like that. We're going to be like, bless you over in that section, and let's go sit over here. Yeah, I mean, you got you to understand, God's not trying to raise up a bunch of spoiled brats who make faith all about them, and they're the center of the universe, and when I serve Jesus, he's going to give me everything I want. That's very much the Western world nonsense that we've been taught, and I resist that, and I declare that there's something worth living for beyond our own good life that we face and pursue as if it's the ultimate objective of heaven. Come on, the world needs to be changed, and you and I are a part of that plan. God is at work. And I, and I mean, it's like what I'm talking about, like God doesn't always just lay it out, you know. Everything works out beautifully because we serve the Lord. Like everything around us, like it rains everywhere, but not on me because I'm, you know, blessed of the Lord. And, and I mean, you got to understand, like, the Red Sea didn't part when the Israelites walked up to it until they walked up to it and had to face the reality that if we go forward, we drown. And if we go back, that army behind us is going to kill us. It's death forward and it's death back. Anyone ever been in that situation? Like they had to come to that reality. They had to come to that scenario. Like I have no options. Guess what? When you run out of options, that's when you actually fasten yourself on God. Like you'll never fasten yourself on God as long as you have options. And there are sometimes, literally, God allows us, I believe, just to come completely to the end of ourselves so that we'll stop this capability within ourselves to make my life great. And God's going to bless you. It's just like, what happened? Where is everything? I can't believe I'm going through this. I'm finally going to pray and turn to God. I mean, a prayer is the last resort in most of our lives when we get right down to it and get honest about it. Prayer should never be a last resort. Like coming to the Red Sea, that was it. I mean, Joshua leading the charge around this incredible city of Jericho. and Like, we're going to march around the city. Okay. And so there they go. First time, first day, around one time. Okay, we march around the city, Joshua. What next? We're going to march around the city. And the second time, they march around the city. And the third day, fourth day, fifth day. I mean, do you understand? Every day they march around the city. And then Joshua has a great idea. Listen, everybody. Today, the final day, we're going to march around the city again. Oh, my goodness. How many days are we going to march? Well, we're just going to march around it today seven times on this day. And he said something interesting. If you want to just look this up, it's a really important part because he said, and I want nobody to say a word. Nobody say a word. We're going to march around seven times. And I don't want anybody to say a word. Anybody ever watch Veggie Tales? Keep walking, but you're knocking down our wall. Keep walking, but she isn't going to fall. Right? 
Yeah, you, you need to get with the times. Come on. VeggieTales is where it's at. Deep theology going on. They walk around. They walk around and like, then they blow the horns and shout. They're not allowed to say anything. You know why they weren't allowed to say anything? Because they would have started complaining just like you and I would have started complaining. Why are we walking around? It's hot. Those tomatoes are singing to us up there, mocking us, making fun of us. You know, where's the cucumber when you need the cucumber? I mean, just the whole thing going on, this whole theological thing. Take, and then like, okay, we've marched around the city 13 times. It doesn't make any sense. Give a shout, everybody. And on that shout and on that cue, a declaration from heaven invaded the earth. It wasn't like the world understood. Your battle does not resemble the world's battle. Your fight doesn't, unless you're just like in and of yourself, your fight involves God in heaven. It's just very different. I had gone out of state to do a wedding, and we had just had our second child, Lexi, and when she was born, she had all kinds of complications of, I was, you know, I was committed to the wedding, so I went and did the wedding, and then like the the little reception was taking place, and they kind of took me over to the side, and they said, you don't have to stay, we'll get you back to the airport and get you on home. Well, of course, you're booked on a flight, but they took me, and I'll never forget, I went into the airport, and uh, I walked over to the, the, the desk to the earlier flight, because I was scheduled later, and I walked up to the lady, and I said, hey, um, I, I'm trying to get home to see my little girl. She's been in the hospital, just got out. She's home with mom. And, uh, is there any possible chance that I could fly on this plane? I'll never forget her words. She, she looked at me like she was frazzled. How many of you know people are going to be frazzled, right? She was frazzled. She was frustrated. She looked at me. She said, we are in an oversold situation. There is no way you can get on this plane flying standby. So, okay. All right. Thanks. And I kind of walked off like this. He may walk like discouraged. That's the discouraged walk, right? I mean, you know, that's the discouraged walk. There's a very different walk when you're carrying good news. We talked a little bit about that last week. And I walked down and I sat down. I remember sitting down at that fine dining establishment, Burger King, in the, in the airport. And I sat down and I was going to bury my depression in a Whopper. And, and I sat there, I actually sat down before I ordered any food, and I sat there, and I was just, woe is me. I mean, I was so full of faith. It was amazing. I just, woe is me, wanted to get home. God, I really want, and I just felt like the Lord rose up within me and said, she said you couldn't get on the plane. I didn't say you couldn't get on the plane. So I just want you to know, I got up, and I walked back like this. Do you understand? There was a different walk. Listen, there's a different stride about your life when you have faith in your heart. There's a different stride in your life when you've been having a conversation with God. There's a different approach you take to your circumstances and situations when you're a man or a woman that's aware God is in the mix. We don't fight like everybody else. And, And I rounded the corner, and it was so crazy. I rounded the corner, and the lady had been feeling bad, I think, because she had, you know, was frazzled and dealt with me and handled me and been, been handled before. And so as I ran around the corner, she, she looked at me. She goes, oh, sir, I'm glad you came back. I can get you on the plane. <laughs> and, 
and I walked up to the counter and I said, oh, thank you so much. Would it be possible for me to sit in first class? <laughs> I mean, you have not because you... And like, I'd just done a wedding, so I had on, you know, I mean, I was, I looked first class, and so I just asked, and you know, I mean, I'm tucked down, and, and she, she looked at me, and she kind of smiled, and she said, I think I can arrange that. I mean, it's crazy. I went from depression, eating nastiness, to breaking out, no offense, Burger King fans, but breaking out of that to a different stride, walking back, getting accommodated, drawn in. I want to say the favor of God can rest on your life, but it doesn't come easy all the time. It doesn't come the first time all the time. This is exactly what happened with Habakkuk, because then God responds. So Habakkuk's like, Lord, you see how awful all this is. And listen to what God says. And let me just prophesy this to you today, Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. God is up to some things beyond our understanding. Come on, let's give him praise today. Let's create an environment that unlocks the seed. Let's create an environment that releases destiny in every one of our hearts and lives. I know other people have opinions about your situation, but God's opinion is stronger, better, bigger, more powerful than anybody else's opinion. If we can only learn to listen to what God has to say, we'll stop living. It's almost like we walk through the world exactly like all the rest of the world does, getting all the news the world gets, responding everything the way the world does, and then we get religiously angry about it to add to the mix. You were shouting me before I went there. How many of you have faith? How many of you have questions? I want you to raise your right hand if you have faith and your left hand if you have questions. Would you just do that? Okay? That's like, that's how we worship. (laughs) Welcome to my world, right? I mean, that's how it works. Habakkuk was the same. Listen. Habakkuk 1, 12, 13. Are you not from everlasting? So remember, Habakkuk started with God. It's bad. God says, I'm about to do something crazy. And now here's Habakkuk responding again. Are you not from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One. We will not die. I'd like everybody to say that with me, would you? We will not die. Let's say it again. We will not die. He's saying, I'm going to declare what you have to say, Lord. He said, we will not die. But listen. You cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why? Why do you look uh, with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up the righteous? Folks, we can have questions and faith at the same time. We will not die. Why is this? We can have, I just want to say it again because I think some people need to have this particular religious equation unlocked and dispelled in their life for the rest of their life. Just because you have a question does not lessen your faith. It does not diminish your life. Just because you, you understand Thomas had some questions. We give Thomas a bad rap. He's, he's not just called Thomas. He's called Doubting Thomas. And like we're dogging on Thomas all these generations. Jesus never gave him that name. Jesus said, Thomas, you have questions? Come, touch the scars. 
Whatever your questions are, let me address those because I've called you to be something greater than you've allowed yourself to be. Is anybody in this place hearing me today? God has called us to be something greater than what we've allowed ourselves to be. God's timing is not always our timing. Have you figured that out? His timing. Uh, you, you heard the guy that prayed the prayer. Oh, God, with you, a million years is like a day. And the Lord says, yep. Oh, God, with you, a million dollars is like a penny. And the Lord says, yep. And he says, can I have a penny? <laughs> and God says, in a day or so. God, God is, uh, let's just be honest, God is never too late, but I'm going to give you a little caveat because we have faith and questions at the same time. God is never too late, but he sure misses a lot of opportunities to be early. Wait for it. Wait for it. How many of you know that that's like the punchline isn't good if you don't know the proper time to wait? Wait for it. Have you read those messages and, and like you have to scroll down and what does it say? Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait. And then you, if you throw the punchline too early, the joke's not as funny. I mean, it's just, this is like applicable in, in, in all aspects of life. How many of you know if two people start dating? Wait for it. Wait for it. Your wedding night, your marriage, all of that. Wait for it. I mean, this is a really good principle for us to understand from a standpoint of Scripture. Wait for it because there's something to be released in our lives if we understand the power of waiting. How many of you go to the doctor and you have to go to the waiting room? How many of you go to wherever and you have to go to the waiting room, right? How many of you sit in, guys, how many of you sit in the car in the driveway? This is the waiting room for me, for my wife and my two girls. Waiting room, like everybody has a waiting room. Everybody has a waiting room, but for some reason, we're not willing to wait for God. Come on, God. God. I'm going to have my devotion time, devotion time. All right, all right, all right. I got to go. Too much to do. Stop. Stop. Listen. Shh. Calm down. Calm down. Just relax, rest, stop trying so hard. Let God's abilities awaken us to what he has in store. And he hasn't, wait, Habakkuk 2.3, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The promise will come at an appointed time. It speaks of an end. It will not prove false. It's on the way. With God, the check is in the mail actually means the check is in the mail. With God, he's telling, I mean, you understand, when we're believing God and like it hadn't come through, it hadn't come through, you just, if God had a conversation with you, just, just hear me, if God had a conversation with you and he said something is going to come to pass in your life, if what you're seeing doesn't match what God's been saying, then what you're seeing is subject to change because what God is saying is more powerful than anything we're ever seeing in our lives. <laughs> Promises require 
a process. And I want to try and just, maybe we can all understand this a little bit. God is preparing an atmosphere right? Like, we want the promise. How many of you want the promise right now? Like, we want it yesterday. But it's not about getting you what you want. It's not about, it's not about the promise arriving. Sometimes God's preparing the promise for you. Sometimes God's preparing you for the promise. Because he prepares an atmosphere in your life. The promise requires a process because God is preparing an atmosphere of your life to sustain the work he wants to do beyond the situation you want to be free from. All I'm saying is, if God wants to grow a mushroom, then he takes about six hours. If he wants to grow an oak tree, then he takes about 60 years. And most of us would settle for shortcuts and just have a mushroom theology when God wants to establish us as mighty men and women of God that are more like oak trees, that will endure the storm and endure the season and provide shade for others and make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Faith for results, last blank, faith for results is not faith in God. You're going to have to chew on that one for a while. Faith for results that you are wanting. That's the way we're equipped and trained. That is not faith in God. And if we're not careful, we allow our entire theology to be shaped around an idea that stirs and chases a faith for the results we want and we never really deepen our faith in God. How could Job say in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I still will serve him or I still will hope in him. How could Job say that? How could the Hebrew children in Daniel chapter 3 say the God we serve is able to save us from this fire, but even if he does not, we will not bow to this image that you have set up. God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. You know why? Because their faith was not based on a set of circumstances to change. Their faith was in God who said these circumstances are menial compared to my mighty God and though in life or death he will sustain me sometimes God delivers us from the fire aren't you glad sometimes God delivers us in the fire and I don't know why maybe today I'm getting a little better understanding but a clay pot sitting in the sun, is forever destined to remain a clay pot. But when you take a clay pot and you submit it to a fiery furnace, it becomes porcelain. Sometimes God delivers us from the fire. Sometimes God delivers us in the fire because he's trying to do something within us It's bigger than the situation we want relief from. Here's Habakkuk's conclusion with God. This is this all conversation. God, Habakkuk, God, Habakkuk, God. Here's Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. In, In other words, when life gives you a little bit of a drought, when difficult seasons come... Difficult seasons are going to come. 
I just want you to hear me say, I'm not pastoring you well if I don't equip you to understand difficult seasons are going to come. And when difficult seasons come, that's when you're going to find out what you're really made of. When difficult seasons come, you're going to find out, are you able to dig deep and the seed of God's Word and the presence of God that's in your life starts to awaken greater purposes that see you through and sustain you, not only looking at your own life, but at the lives of those around you. Difficult seasons are going to come. The fig tree won't bud, no grapes on the vines, all of crop fails, the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Come on, let's just stand. Would you just stand with me? Difficult things will come, difficult circumstances will happen, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. I'm not just going to rejoice. How many of you know times can be tough and you just be, I choose to rejoice. I choose to rejoice. Lift up your hands, all you happy people. I, I, uh, that's not what it's saying. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. Difficult times, I will rejoice. I will be joyful. In God my Savior, the Sovereign Lord, is my strength. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. I believe some people just need to be clothed with the strength of God today. I believe some people in this room need to be clothed today with the strength of God Almighty for circumstances and situations. Come on, if you need to be clothed with strength for a battle that you're facing, for a, a time, a season that feels almost destitute, maybe feels completely destitute, then I want you to lift your hands and be clothed with Christ today. Be clothed with strength today. Be clothed with power and anointing today. Be clothed with God's presence in your life today. I will rejoice and I will be joyful. I will rejoice and I will be joyful. Be clothed today with everything that you need. I will rejoice and I will be joyful. So, Lord, clothe us today with strength. Clothe us today with dignity. As faith begins to erupt and emerge in our hearts, and we no longer disqualify our faith because we have questions, but we embrace a God who can see us through. And even if he doesn't, we still will serve him. It's just who we are. It's just in our DNA to be inclined toward the things of the Spirit. Once we gave our lives to Christ, we simply don't have it in us anymore to devote ourselves fully to living in disobedience against God. There's something that's been deposited within us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. I, I want to ask you, we're going to we're going to sing. And like, I love coming and, and like being awakened. How many of you are awakened to something this morning that's like from the heart of God? God's awake. He's stirring something. And I love when we gather and we're awakened. And I hate it that we get awakened. And then we just kind of shake hands and walk out. Do something with what's been deposited in your life. I will rejoice. 
today I'm going to make that choice. As we begin to worship, don't just sit back. I, I say this jokingly, I'll, I'll say it again. If your worship is normally here, take your worship to here. Just We're not going to be here for like an hour. You're going to have this brief time. But if your worship's here, take it to here. If your worship's here, take it to here. If your worship's here, take it to here. If your worship's here, take it to here, okay? Make some some motion forward. Wherever your worship is, just take it. Do something with it. And, and your marching orders this week. Work. Work on giving thanks in all situations that you face. Work. I'm, I'm giving you your marching orders. Like, I'm not just giving you a suggestion, good idea. I want to pastor you in this moment. I want to commission you to something. This week, will you do this? Work on giving. How I many you know if you give thanks, like your disposition toward God and toward your world around you, it really starts to brighten. Work on giving thanks. And, and I'm just going to say, you need to understand something. And this is important. Like, for some reason in, in the world that we live in, the culture we live in, and the church, we're reluctant to say much because of the skepticism. But you need to understand giving part of giving thanks is giving back part of giving thanks is giving back so like god i mean god's never been coy or shy about this he's always said throughout all the generations your worship is going to involve your finance you're going to give sacrificially as an expression of worship all through the ages and this week, you're going to get like your giving statement letter for, you know, quarterly. I want you to look at that as an expression of worship. Evaluate that. If, if, if you don't give, then actually you don't get a statement. You don't get the letter. We're trying to get around that so everybody gets the letter. But if, if that's the case, then there's something wrong spiritually. Do you understand? Like, this is worship. All aspects. Give thanks this week. Let's purpose this week we're going to give thanks. Can I get a witness in here? We're just going to give thanks. We're going to declare with an attitude of gratitude, God is good. He is faithful. We're going to worship the Lord. Come on, let's press in. Let's take a few moments and make a declaration of Jesus right now as we sing and we bless his name.